You're listening to a message from Crosspoint Church in Williston, Vermont, with lead pastor Todd West. Find out more about us at crosspointvt.org. If you like what you hear, follow us on social media. Thanks for being here today. Father, in Jesus' name, if nothing else help people see today, they do not have to leave this place the way they came in. You are in the life-changing business. And Lord, I just pray for an anointing on this service in spite of who I am. You'll use me today. Anoint me. I rebuke the devil, demons of hell, with your precious blood. And I pray warring angels around me in this church as I preach, God, that your spirit will have free reign in this place. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. Thank you for what Sean has already preached to us today. Dave's already preached to us today. For what the kids are hearing upstairs. Every, every part of this, Lord, I know that uh, I'm probably the, the least that should be standing here today. So thank you for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Well, if church is new to you, here's what the gospel is about. It's not about what you can do, it's about what Christ has already done. And I want you to understand today that the gospel story, and Dave hit on it in a nutshell, is that God made man, man messed up. Because of that, we're separated from a holy God. And because man messed up, a man had to fix it. And so Jesus Christ came to this earth over 2,000 years ago, lived 33 rough and a half somewhat years, never sinned, perfection. Then he died on the cross because the price for sin is death and the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what Jesus did was he took your place on a cross because we deserve, because of our sin, when we die to be separated from God in a place called hell. Because we're sinful in the sight of a holy God, we can't stand. What Jesus did was came and died in our place. And he said, if you will turn from your sin and acknowledge that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I will forgive you of your sins. I'll wipe your slate clean. I'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. And I will put you in my hand. And John 10, 29 says, no man will be able to pluck you out of my hand. I will adopt you. I'll bring you into my family. I'll take you from being an orphan. I'll take you from being someone who doesn't have that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we're enemies of God until we come to Christ. And he said, I will adopt you and not only take you in, I'll make you one of my kids. And and listen, when Jesus died, then on that third day, which is Easter, he rose. Forty days later, ascended back to heaven where he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he sent the Holy Spirit down here. Why? To guide us into truth. So what you feel in this place today, if you're here and you're like, man, I don't know if I've ever felt anything like this before. That's not just good singing. That's not just speakers. That's That's the Holy Spirit of God that's dealing with your heart right now. And that's God's way of saying, I love you, and I'm trying to help you see that you need me. This world cannot satisfy. doesn't matter how rich you get, how fit you get. It doesn't matter any of those things. It's all going to end. Nothing in this world will satisfy. The only thing that's going to last is Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. We can all agree and disagree, and many of you in here are far more intelligent than I am, but here's something even this old country boy knows we're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. And then what? Well, all I'm saying is you better be right. You better be right. If you're staking your eternity on it, you better be right. Now, that's the gospel story. I won't even charge you for that one. That's free. But if you want to drop some money in the plate, have at it. But anyway, 
I, uh, I want to get into this sermon today <clears throat> found in Matthew chapter 27 and verses 45. Matthew chapter 27 verse 45. You say, well, Pastor, this is dealing with his death, not his resurrection. What you need to understand is that when Jesus came out of that tomb, it was icing on the cake. When Jesus came out of that tomb, all the things that he did on the cross came out with him, if you will. And so, yes, he's alive, and those of us who are in Christ don't have to fear death. And now the same power, Romans 8, 11, I think it is, in Ephesians, talks about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us. And so I get all that. I'm not minimizing the fact that the tomb empty is not a big deal. It is the, it's the icing on the cake. It is Christ's work of redemption coming out. Now, it's not the end of Christ's work because we know that Christ is still at work, and he's going to come, what I believe the Bible teaches, rapture the church, and then he's going to come back again. Set up his millennial reign. So the work of Christ is not over, but the work of redemption has been completed because he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. In other words, man can't get into the presence of a holy God, so a God-man had to go in our place. And that's why Jesus is there for us even now, seated at the right hand of the Father. Interesting is that priests could never sit down in their work in the temple or the tabernacle. Never, because their work was never done. Jesus, when he got there, sat down. Not because he was dizzy, not because of, he was tired, he sat down because the work of redemption had been complete. And if you ever want to get into heaven, if you ever want to see God, it's going to be through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, with that said, I want to read this passage of Scripture to you and then share a message with you on this subject. What you're not going to do. I'll say it again. What you're not going to do. In the South, we have a phrase that we use a lot. Call what you're not going to do. Six syllables, I think. Don't hold me to it. Depends on what part of the country you're from. <laughs> but what you're not going to do is here's how we use that. My kids may come in at some point and kind of pop that mouth off, and I say, what you're not going to do is walk in here and talk to me like that. That's how we use that phrase. Uh, somebody cuts you off in line, and you say, what you're not going to do is bust up in my way. That's how we use that phrase, what you're not going to do. I think sometimes on Easter, God would love to say to the church, hey, what you're not going to do is just get up and get ready and do your pictures and your meals and act like I mean something to you, and then on Monday, forget that I even exist for another 364 days. See, that's what you're not going to do. I think sometimes God would love to say to the local church, hey, here's some things, what you're not going to do. Well, I'm just taking the liberty today as a country boy, and I can get away with it. Some of you Vermonters preach this, they'd run you out of town. But me, they already know I'm ignorant. So what does it matter? <laughs> so what you're not going to do is what I'm going to talk about today in this passage of Scripture. At noon, verse 45, Matthew 27, at noon darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Three hours of darkness. About 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned or forsaken me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink it. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. And then Jesus shouted, verse 50, out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. There's the second miracle. The first one is darkness for three hours. The temple veil being torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, comma, rocks split apart. Not the earth shook but, and then rocks split apart. Because of that, it was two different things. The rocks split apart. And then in verse 52, and tombs opened, check this out, 
the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. Here's what you're not going to do. What you're not going to do, number one, is be confused today about the light. What you're not going to do is be confused today about the light. I want you to leave here, what, however you want to leave, whatever it might be, uh, argumentative, frustrate, whatever it might be, but I don't want you to leave here confused today because what you're not going to do is be confused about the light. See, in Genesis chapter 1, in the very beginning, it says that God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light day and darkness night and evening passed and morning came marking the first day. Now fast forward to the first book in the new, or, or the uh, fourth book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In, in the Gospels, John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning the Word already existed. He has no beginning and no end. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Speaking of the Word being Christ. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And here it is. And His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The Bible also says that darkness cannot comprehend it. In other words, the darkness hates the light. Here's what you're not going to do, though, today. You're not going to leave this place confused about who the true light is. When Jesus was on the cross for three hours, darkness fell. Now, again, it's not an eclipse. It was not a smoke cloud. It was, it was an absence of light. Why? Because God was showing us, obviously, that Christ is the only light, and without him, there's no light. Yes, we get that, but there's so much more. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen, God was showing and is showing us that true light exists as a gift. The light of Christ is a gift. Do you realize that your mind is spiritually blind? And the fact that God is opening that today so that you can see the cross through the midst of the darkness is a miracle of God? That's why I say don't ever put off an invitation. That's why I don't understand why we don't give invitations in our churches anymore. Is that when the Spirit of God begins to knock on your heart's door and say, here is a clear picture of Christ, that is why we must respond. Today is the day of salvation. If we refuse it, we'll spend an eternity in damnation and darkness. What makes hell so terrible isn't the fire. It's the non-existence of the presence of God. And what you're not going to do is leave here confused about the light. You say, well, Pastor, I'm very clear. How could somebody be confused? Because the Bible says that there is an imposter as an angel of light. Here's where I want you to stay with me. So up to this point, you're like, okay, I get it. No big deal. Jesus is the light, light of the world. A darkness fell. He's showing us that without him, there's darkness, and we spend eternity separated from him. That's a bad thing. I get all that. No, there's so much more. Because, see, we're living in the here and now. Are you with me today? Say amen. amen. You got to listen quick because I got to talk. I got a lot to cover. But 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, But I am not surprised even Satan disguises himself, you ready for this, as an angel of light. That's what the Bible says. So Jesus said, I'm the light. There's darkness. I created light. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was created that wasn't created by Him. And He is the light, 
and he is the life to all men and light. And the darkness comprehended it not, doesn't want any part of it. So what does Satan do is he comes along and says, let me disguise myself as an angel of light. So stay with me right here. Christ says, without me, there's darkness. And Satan says this. Please hang on right here, because what you're not going to do is leave confused. Christ says, without me, there's darkness. And Satan says, follow me. I'm the light. See, here's the deal. And I may say this again, but I want to go ahead and say it. When you're born in darkness and all you know is darkness, then if somebody comes along and says, let me guide you in darkness, but deceives you into thinking that you're walking in the light, then you think darkness is light. Did you just catch what I just said? And so that's exactly what happens is you're born into sin. And when you're born into sin, all you know is darkness. And somebody whispers in your ear and says, let's do what feels good. Okay, let's go this direction. What do you want to do today? Let's do that. But let me remind you, and I'll say it again, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And so Satan comes in, uh, again, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, disguises himself with his angel of light. Christ says, without me, there's darkness. Satan says, follow me. I'll be the light. I'll guide you, direct you, inform you. I'll help you. Just follow me and follow what you want. Sinners are born in darkness. And so if that's all they know, then when light comes in, they say, hold on a minute. Stay with me now. You want to know why there's such controversy with Christianity? Can you guys, you following me today? Some of you out there who are better get on the bandwagon. I got stuff to do. There's a world that is filled with darkness. You're born into darkness. And then the enemy says, let me be light to you. And you begin to think that darkness is light. So when true light shines in, you say, I want that out of here. That is interrupting what I've always known as light. That's why I need this taken out of our schools. See, nobody has a problem with Islam and Buddhist and Hindus and all the other religions. You can line them up all day at the local school probably and they'll put their posters up on the wall about what they do. But do not put Christ in there. Can we not even as intelligent people see why that's a problem? Are we that ignorant? I don't care how many degrees you got. Are we that ignorant? Can we not see the fact that we're born into darkness? The enemy says, let me be your light. And when true light shines, we say, get that mess out of here. Because darkness hates light. And what you're not going to do is leave this church today confused about what the true light is. You can choose what light you want. I get that. But what you're not going to do is leave here confused. You need to understand that Jesus is the only true light. And that's why darkness hates the light. What you're not going to do is leave here today knowing that the true light leads to peace, joy, love. And the imitation leads to death, destruction, and hell. Jesus is the light. And he showed this on the cross. And when he came out of the tomb, he proved death and darkness had no hold on him or any of those who would follow him. So the tomb is basically him saying, hey, darkness fell for three hours. We're going to beat this. I'm coming out the other side. But you need to understand what true light is. Because again, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And what you're not going to do is leave here confused. Secondly, real quick, what you're not going to do, Lord, I got to get on with it. What you're not going to do is be misconstrued in your rights. You're not going to be confused about the light, and you're not going to be misconstrued in your rights. It says here that the darkness fell, and then you go on down to verse 51, and the temple was torn in two. Now, you don't have to know anything about the Scriptures for me to explain some of this to you today. In the religious world back then, just know this, God dwelt in the temple or tabernacle in this place called the Most Holy Place. There was a veil that separated those two, about 60 feet tall. Some say it was four to six inches thick. 
So in other words, you ain't just going to go up and grab that thick curtain and rip it with your hands. When Jesus cried these words I just read to you, that veil in that temple was torn in half from top to bottom. And what man could never go in and see was now opened and exposed because God wanted us to see that the way that we get in that veil is not through a man, it's not through a priest. Listen, I'm not knocking Catholicism today, but I'd love to go to Catholic uh, church sometime and go in one of them little booths and sit down and when he says, what's your sin? I say to him, tell me yours first. I ain't going through some man except the God-man. And his name is Jesus Christ. And that, that veil being torn showed us that I'm not going through some man. I'm not going through some system. I'm not going through some religion. I'm getting in through the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, you stand. Hear me out. Hold on. Don't clap. I got to go. Listen, you, you, you got to understand before a holy God, you're so poor. You are poe. You can't even afford the other O and R. Are you with me today? You are poe before a holy God. And so when you talk talk about your salvation don't ever talk about it in the first person it's always in the third person why because you can't say well the reason I'm going to heaven is because I you didn't do squat you have nothing to do with redemption you have nothing to do with salvation that's why we should always come to church and be excited and not complaining because something don't go our way we need to be excited because the veil has been torn and I now have access into the presence of a holy God So what you're not going to do is leave here today misconstrued about your rights. The veil has been torn. Not only that, we need to understand what you're not going to do is be confused about the light, misconstrued about your right, and be unfused to his power. An earthquake came and rocks were split. I don't have time to get into this, so I need to move on quickly. But the rocks didn't split because of an earthquake. They split separate. But the Bible, who Who cares? I studied this week and all these deep theologians argue. I said, who gives a rip? Here's what I want you to understand is that God is in the middle of doing redemption and he still shows us he's under control of even nature. That's the point. I don't care if he wants to split each rock individually and they all sing out. I don't care. Who gives a rip? We split hairs over the most stupid stuff in our churches. Then we'll form a doctrine over it, start a church over it. Stop it. The fact is, while he's hanging on a cross as a raw piece of meat, God's still doing the work, showing that, hey, man, I can be doing this. God's a great multitasker. So don't you wonder why he's working over there and not working over here. He's working over here, too. You just might not be able to see it yet. So I don't want you to be today unfused to his power. I want you to understand what you're not going to do is leave here today like a weak, poor, little, meager saint of God uh, saying, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Listen, preacher, that same God who parted seas, sent people through fires, is the same God that in redemption uh, through Jesus Christ at his weakest moment said, I am still in control. And I want to tell you today, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power living inside of you. So do not today be unfused. What you're not going to do is leave here today being unfused to the power that lives within you. Some of you feel like all hope is lost, it's over, but the grave is empty. The work of Christ, even while going on, showed he had it under control. And what you're not going to do is leave here thinking God can't help you. He's forgotten you or doesn't love you. It may be Friday in your life, but your Sunday's coming. Now, it may be when we get to heaven. I can't promise that. But thank God this world's not it. Amen? Lastly, what you're not going to do 
is be unamused at his perfection. See, what you're not going to do is be confused about the light. What you're not going to do is be misconstrued about the right. What you're not going to do is be unfused to his power. And what you're not going to do, leaving here today, is be unamused at his perfection. I don't have time to get into all this. And Pastor Mike is here, dear friend of mine, um, former pastor at Vibrant. These guys, there's so many guys in here, Pastor Steve, others, who could do so much better with this, I'm sure, this text today. But I'm just going to hit the highlights of this particular piece here that took place graves were opened up isn't that pretty cool so when Jesus cried on the cross graves were opened but because of where it fell in their culture and religion they couldn't touch the bodies so those graves stayed cracked open as a teaser to what Jesus was about to do you with me so people's walking by and there's old Bob and Tom and Todd and Sean and their graves are open but they can't go up there and do nothing with them Of course, I'm thinking to myself, who the heck would want to, right? (laughs) Graves open. So cool that in that time, again, they couldn't touch the bodies. But when these bodies came forth, as I've studied this out, many scholars disagree and debate on this. But again, it's one of those who cares. But I believe this this to be true is that when these bodies were raised, when Jesus came out of the tomb, they stayed there with the tombs open. And when Jesus walked out of his tomb, they got up out of their tombs and they walked out and made their appearance into town. And I don't believe that they were like Lazarus where they had to die again. I think they were in their supernatural bodies. And how they got to heaven, the Bible doesn't tell us. Whether they went back with him at the ascension, nobody records that. That's totally speculation. Again, who cares? But they, they got there. And the point that I want to make today is this is based off Leviticus 23.10 talking about the waving of the sheaf. When I was a kid, we would go to church and they would get up on Sundays and they'd say, open your hymnal to this particular hymn and we'd start singing this song. We shall be rejoicing bringing in the sheaves. And I'm like, what the heck's a sheave? Same thing you're thinking right now. You're just trying to act spiritual. We got a golden doodle. That's where just a couple of drunk guys got together at a frat party and decided that experiment y'all will catch that later hey I got a poodle I got a lab let's see what we can make some puppies well that's what I was thinking about with bringing in the sheaves I'm thinking is that a sheep mixed with something else what the heck's a sheep y'all with me today tough crowd y'all look like a calf staring at a new gate you're nervous I ain't gonna hurt any of you I swear bringing in the sheaves what in the name of sense is a sheaf well here's in a in a in a country boy's way of laying it out to you here's what would happen in those days and I won't even get into the whole culture it's so cool man study it out but basically the priest would go out there on that particular day when it needed to happen which happened on that day which is so cool is they would go out there and they would they would cut the sheaf and they would bring it the best they had they would cut it and they would wave it before God as a wave sheaf to say this is my best that I got I'm going to try to not get too happy right here. I'm back, we're going somewhere. <laughs> this is the best I got right here. This is what's called the first fruits, the wave sheaf. This is my best, God. This is my best. So what God does is he fulfills Leviticus. Later on, we read about it in Corinthians where he says that Christ is our first fruits. So basically, when Jesus came out of the tomb, he said, here it is. This is my son. This is the one. Not many sons, not Buddha, not Muhammad, 
not Joseph Smith. This is the first fruit. This is the wave sheaf. Now, here's what's cool about this, too. Is it because I'm in Christ? The Bible says that I'm first fruits. So God is waving me before the Father. Boy, isn't that a picture of grace? Hey, somebody get on board with me today. That's a picture of grace, man. Just as the Father said, I'm going to wave Jesus as my wave sheaf. Jesus said, let me wave old Todd as my son. I'm about to get happy up here. Let me just wave my wave sheaf and let people know about grace that can come. You're in here today, and the devil says, you got no access. You don't deserve. Listen, agree with him. Tell him that. I'm as sorry as mud, but man, because of that man on the middle cross who died and came out the other side, I can stand victoriously in the presence of a holy God because of Jesus Christ. Now, the reaping of the sheaf symbolizes Israel giving the first fruits, the very best of their produce to God. And this is exactly the symbolism Jesus fulfilled in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 23. Man, that's so cool that we are his first fruits, as if to say, that's what he was saying by those people coming out of the graves, as he was saying, This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring dead people to life. And these, these are just as God has brought me out of the tomb. And I'm his first fruit to say I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I want to show you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring my first fruits out. And that was all those men and women who were around that area. And they came forth. And he said, look at my wave sheaf. Look at my crew coming right here. Oh, they're not as perfect as me. But see, they're not coming on their merit. They're coming because they with me. Y'all with me? Again, you po man. You can't afford to owe an R. You ain't getting in on anything you do. It's all about Jesus. So he said, look at my wave sheaf. Man, that's a messed up clan. Good night. Look how jacked up they are. Whoa. But you see, he's not seeing me. He's seeing his son. And his son in his grace said, I see you, and I want to save you, and I want to redeem you. Some of you in here today feel like you ain't worth saving. Oh, can I ever attest to that? I've said it so many times. I would have killed me a long time ago. I would not put up with me. There is no way under the sun I would have been as good to me as God's been. No way. It's grace. And so if you come today, you're not going to come by saying, I'm going to do this. No, you're coming as someone who says, I got nothing to offer. I'm spiritually bankrupt before a holy God. I can't do any of this on my own. It is so dependent on the tomb and the cross and this man named Jesus. And so I'm going to heaven, not in my own merit. I'm casting myself upon this man named Christ so that when I leave this earth, I don't have to fear. What you're not going to do is leave here unamused by his perfection and lastly I can't believe I'm peeling in here on two wheels but here we go and I'll just say this quickly verse 54 you're not going to leave this place what you're not going to do is leave here and be unused in his purpose they said this man truly was the son of God you know what our purpose is is to be the light for Christ because there's a world out there who's perishing and they need Jesus See, everybody and their brother would have said that day that that centurion and those at the foot of the cross who had killed Jesus, they do not deserve to get into heaven. Can I just remind you of something, sweet soul? You don't either. You don't either. And I don't know what's worse, crucifying him or acting like he's still on the cross and claiming to be a Christian. Did you hear what I said? Oh, he's alive. He's alive. You live like he's dead. Which is worse, really, killing him or pretending that he's alive and living like he's dead? 
So we, we got no ground there. Don't even go there. So what you're not going to do is leave this place today and be unused in His purpose. God didn't save you to come to a building and gripe. Here's the deal. You come here to gripe, we don't care. We just don't give a rip. If you're new to Crosspoint, I'll remind you. And some of you say, you can't say this. You're going to run people out. Listen, man, whatever. I just want people to know that at Crosspoint, it's not about a preacher. It's not about a family. It's not about the West family. It's not about a preacher. It's not about a singer. God could kill all of us up, off and raise up a hundred times better people by this time tomorrow. We're just grateful to get to be a part of the process. That's it. That's it. I know where I should be. And I'm just grateful to get to be a part. So what, I'm, what you're not going to do is bust up in here and be like, this is what I think. We don't care. Happy Easter. Because there's people dying and going to hell. And the last thing they need is another building built calling itself a church and not adhering to the principles of this book. And so Christ, He's the Lord of this place. This is His church. We are His bride. And we're all just blessed to get to be a part of it. So what you're not going to do is be unused in His plan. God wants to use you to go forth and make a difference. Will you let Him? Will you let Him? Now you say, oh, it's scary. Oh, I know, but He's already beat it all. <laughs> That's the good news, man. Well, I could go on and on. But I love you and I'm proud to be a pastor. What you're not going to do today is leave here without me giving you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed right there where you're at. And here's what I want you to understand is that God loves you. And then we're going to have these guys come up. We're going to, we're going to do one more tune. What you're not going to do is leave here and not know that you're loved. What you're not going to do is leave here and know that God doesn't care for you. And that he can save you or forgive you. And maybe you're here and you've, you've known Christ, but you've fallen back into sin. And God can forgive you and redeem you and can help you. He can do that. So what you're not going to do is leave here and not know that he doesn't want a relationship with you. So right there you can pray and say, God, I don't understand everything there is to know about this. But I know that Jesus is the one I need. And I'm giving my life to him right now. And I turn from my sin. And I commit my life to him. I want to know Jesus. I need the power of God in me. Listen, some of you here today, you're like, I, I got to get some things straight first and then I'll come to Christ. The reason you can't get things straight is because you've not been to Christ. You, you can't put the cart before the horse. You, you've got to understand that if you're ever going to be able to live this Christian life, that there's something supernatural got to live through you. And his name is Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. So you've got to come to Christ today and humble yourself and then God will begin to help you through His Spirit and the Word, there's nothing that He cannot do. I want to just say that to you. There's nothing that He cannot do or help you through. Nothing. Right there, you just prayed and give your life to Christ. I just want you to hold your hand up. I gave my life to Jesus today. I prayed and gave my life to Christ. If that's your heart today, I can't even see all over. But it's mainly you just acknowledging, hey, I gave my life to Christ. Amen. That's why we do what we do. Christian, you're here and you've fallen into sin. He loves you.
Come home. Come home. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Cross Point Church in Williston, Vermont. If you gave your life to Jesus today, I want to encourage you to text YES TO JESUS to 484848. If you want to learn more about Crosspoint, get connected or find ways to give, visit crosspointvt.org. Have a blessed day.